God is so good. You know, what a blessing it is to be in the house of the Lord this morning. You know, uh, real briefly, in a, in a the end of the year, first part of next year, uh, we'll be having some uh, connect groups, and it's a great time to jump into those if you haven't been involved in our connect groups. Uh, we're going to be having some sign-ups. We've got some great studies. Uh, the next few weeks, they're going to be out in the, in the Great Hall. And so uh, if you want to be a part of that, they meet on Sunday evenings, usually around 6 p.m. But uh, if you will uh, jump in and be a part of those, I know that you will be blessed by fellowshipping, by hanging out and being around uh, other believers. So uh, I hope you will, you will make yourself available to that. Um, this morning we're going to be in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through 25. Some of you may look at that and say, well, he preached on that last week. And you're right, I did. Um, and I'm going to preach it until you get it. No. Um, we're going um, to be in that same uh, passage. Um, so if you want to open up your, your, your scripture there to that. Um, I do need to ask, you know, do you have your, all your shopping, your Christmas shopping done for, for the people on your list? I, I hope that you're getting involved with that and, and, and ha- making that happen. You know, when I was a kid... Um, I grew up with two older brothers, and um, so I am and I will always be the baby, and um, for good or for ill. Anyway, my older middle brother, he invented re-gifting before re-gifting was a thing, okay? And, and so uh, he used to re-gift used items that he found in our house to members of the family, and, and we never knew what kind of gift we were going to get from Darren. He would uh, just uh, give us something, and we didn't know why he did this, other than maybe for some Christmas laughs and really just being a cheapskate. So, you know, it's interesting because my mom had to make a rule up. And this was her rule. She told him, she said, Darren, in order for you to re-gift someone a gift... The item actually has to belong to you first. I mean, he would just take stuff off the wall and wrap it up and give it to you for Christmas. You know, we were like, what? And you can't take it back to Walmart. You know, you can't, you can't return it because it belongs to the house. But gift giving isn't easy, is it? I mean, while most of us may already have some of our shopping done, some of us could probably use some help to avoid those things that we probably shouldn't buy for other things. So there's no hurry. You still have a couple more weeks before Christmas. But guys, I want to give you top five gifts that women don't want for Christmas, okay? Now, these may not apply to everybody. But, um, I mean, come on, a new table saw? I mean, some ladies might like that. My wife wouldn't appreciate that. A case of Mobile One synthetic oil? Um, I mean, I'd be like, yes! But uh, not too much. Tickets to WWE World uh, Wrestling Entertainment New Year's Slam Fest. Um, she probably won't appreciate that. Or the Rambo Trilogy on DVD. Rambo Trilogy. Uh, high speed streaming subscription with total sports package. She may not appreciate that. Now, again, these are some things that I'm thinking, man, my wife would probably not appreciate these. But there are some things, uh, women, that you shouldn't purchase for men on, the, on your list. Top five gifts men, men don't want for Christmas. The Sound of Music Collector's Edition DVD with 74 minutes of extra footage. 
I do not want that for Christmas. If you want to get me a case of ribeye steaks, I might appreciate that. But don't get me that. Sorry, Tracy. Tickets to the ballet. You know, any artsy knick-knack, a bath and body work soap basket including bath bombs. Okay? I mean, ladies, guys just aren't into that. Uh, tickets to the weekend seminar on getting in touch with your feelings. No, 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 no. I do get excited about Christmas, not for the commercialism, not for the, the tinsel and the toys. Um, I get excited because of the fact that Christmas is really a miracle. Christmas is really a miracle, a wondrous act of God from his love and from his grace. I mean, just think about it. The creator, the creator of everything that is, confined himself to a single cell in a womb which he had fashioned. It boggles our mind that the creator of everything that is would put himself into that vulnerable a position in the, the creation that he made, that he spoke into being. The maker of the trees and the, and the, the forests and the, and the maker of the grain fields was gently laid in a manger made of wood and straw. When he was born, the God-man, Jesus, he was as old as his father, God. And infinitely older than his mother, Mary. See, he did not begin in maternity. He existed throughout all eternity. This excerpt from H.R. Bramley's poem gives an eloquent commentary of the miracle of the incarnation. It says, a babe on the breast of a maiden he lies, yet sits with the Father enthroned in the skies. Before him their faces the seraphim hide, yet Joseph stands waiting unscared by his side. O wonder of wonders which none could unfold, the Ancient of Days is an hour or two old. He is what he was and ever shall be. He became what he was not for you and for me. That's who Jesus is. This morning I want to share with you, I want to try to explain to you who the Christ of Christmas is. It is so amazing to me. It's such a wonderful miracle. And as beautiful as that poem is, there is nothing that could speak more profoundly and more beautiful of this event than God's holy word. In fact, it is fitting that only in God's holy word do we have an appreciable information about the earthly birth of the Son of God. I want to read again in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 and following. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary, who had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> 
And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and she, will bear a, she shall bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. Amen. Loving Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for this holy season. Father, where we indeed celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would just comfort us and take us where you desire us to be. Holy Spirit, we yield to you in our lives. We ask God that you would transform us by your grace, by your mercy, by your love. Father, we love you. We gratefully sing your praises. Lord Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen. I'd like for you to notice, if you will, three precious elements in Matthew's account of Jesus' birth. And the first one is this. There is a miraculous conception. A miraculous conception. Three times within the scope of a few verses, Matthew insists that this was no ordinary birth. He tells us that it was it was a miracle. It, there was a miraculous conception that took place because Mary was a virgin. Mary was a virgin when Jesus was born. He says that in verse 18. He says that in verse 25. Furthermore, this conception was by the agency of the Holy Spirit. That's what it says in verse 20. That she was with child by the Holy Spirit. Folks, we have a miracle on our hands because nothing is impossible with God. We read this and we, 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 we can't really get our minds around this because we think, well, how is that even possible? With God, all things are possible. You know, also the grammar, if you look up in verse 16, it says, Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, by whom Jesus was born, who is called the Messiah. The grammar in the Greek, in verse 16, clearly shows that Jesus was born of Mary only. It doesn't show up as well in, in the English, but that. Th th that Jesus was born of Mary only and not Joseph. You see, the relative pronoun there, hes, 
is feminine singular, and it can only refer to Mary. He's not saying that these were his parents. He's saying Jesus was born of Mary. So it's very significant. Listen, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, he said, God sent only one man into the world without sin, but none without sorrow. Oh, we're all affected by the sorrow in our lives. But Jesus, Jesus was the only one that was born without sin. He wasn't tainted by Adam and Adam's sin. He was conceived of the Holy Spirit. See, many people today, they want to deny the virgin birth or they dismiss it as being unimportant. But I maintain that what we believe about that, what we believe about the virgin birth will ultimately affect what we believe about the sinlessness and the deity of Jesus Christ. He either was born a virgin or from a virgin or he wasn't. Because scripture tells us that he was. Folks, we got to believe that. We've got to believe that because it it carries out into his sinlessness and into who he is according to God. See, even we as Christians, we can miss the point of the Christmas story if we're not careful. Halford E. Lukak, he warned of that danger in a thoughtful essay When he wrote this, he said, We can become so charmed by the story of a baby that we grow sentimental about it. It does not ask that we do anything about it. It does not demand any vital change in our way of thinking or our way of living. All we think about is, oh, we're celebrating Christ's birth. See, the great question for us is this. Is our Christmas still only a story about a baby? Or is it more? Is it about a deathless story about a person in whom the baby grew? Who can redeem the world from its sins and who calls us into partnership with his great and mighty purposes? See, there's so much more to the story. We like to think about that baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, because it demands nothing from us. But when we see his sacrifice on Calvary for our sin that put him there, then it demands something from me. Why do you think I do what I do today? It demands something from me. I can't just say, oh yeah, that warm, cuddly baby. I love babies. We're blessed with babies. And we're thankful for them. What a joy it is to be around them and hear these little ones belly laugh and walk for the first time and and wave at you and smile and all of those things that just warm your heart. Does it warm your heart also? As a crown of thorns is pushed down on his brow. As he's pierced through. As he's beaten. As he's bleeding out on the cross. 
We don't feel quite so warm, do we? It doesn't make our heart happy. It makes us sad. But hopefully, it causes us to dig a little deeper. And to see why he was willing to go through that. See, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in verse 21, check out what he said. He said, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. It's only as we see the birth of Jesus in light of his crucifixion and his resurrection that we are able to grasp the full meaning of who the Christ of Christmas really is. See, Matthew also relates to us the meaningful name that's given to Jesus. Yes, it's a miraculous conception, but it's also the meaningful name. Verse 21 records the angel's instructions to Joseph to name the child Jesus. And this was his given name. I mean, our designation of his as Lord and Christ are what we would call titles. Master, Messiah. But his given name is Jesus. The Greek equivalent of the Hebrew Yeshua. Joshua, which means it's significant because for the Jews, names meant something. They were more than just a designation. And a child's name, when they named that child at birth, it had meaning. It meant something. And sometimes in the Old Testament, you you read about how God, when, when they had an encounter with God, that God changed their name. You know, from Jacob to Israel, from Abram to Abraham, God changed their name. The name Jesus means Jehovah, God is salvation, for truly Jesus was God in human flesh who came for the purpose of saving his people from their sin. You need to listen carefully because there's only one road that leads to heaven. And Jesus Christ is the way. I tell you the truth this morning because the world will tell you there are many ways to heaven. Many ways and and whatever your way is may not be my way. But God's word says that Jesus is the only way to God. That Jesus is the only way to heaven. See, we have this meaningful name. There are other, no other name draws people so closely together while at the same time evoking hatred in others. I mean, several years ago, there was a political candidate who answered a question about, what the, uh, about who had the greatest effect on his life. And he said this, He said, Jesus Christ, he changed my heart. And you know, this this person's honest answer was met with derision and scorn from people who detest the name of Jesus. On the other hand, 
people all over the world who love Christ meet every week to honor and to worship his name. And isn't that our purpose here this morning? We lift up the name of Jesus. We worship him. We honor him. His name to us means love. It means joy. It means peace. It means hope. It means forgiveness. What is it about that name that divides people so clearly? Why do some people name the name of Jesus with contempt? Maybe even as a, a cuss word. While others hold it in high esteem. See, I believe that the reason that people, some people can't stand Jesus' name is that they don't want to be reminded about their sin. They don't want to be reminded about their sin. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. <laughs> I love that. For he will save his people from their sins. See, people who refuse to ask for forgiveness from sin, they cannot love the name of Jesus. But his name is the name that is above every name. <laughs> I love that. Because one day, every tongue will confess Jesus as Lord to the glory of the Father. Now here's the absolute truth. You cannot truly celebrate Christ's birth until you have invited him into your heart. <laughs> to save you from your sins. You can't truly celebrate Christmas, the Christ of Christmas, until you know him personally as your Savior and Lord. Because otherwise he's still just a baby in the manger. You have a miraculous conception. You have this meaningful name. But third, notice how Matthew describes this magnificent person. Who was miraculously conceived and born of a woman. Matthew chapter 1 verse 23 says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child. She shall bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel. Which translated means God with us. I mean, Matthew hearkened back to Isaiah's prophecy of the coming of Emmanuel. When Jesus was his given name, Emmanuel <laughs> was the Father's title for him. God with us. The Father's title for him. See, Emmanuel means at least three things to us. First, it means salvation. <laughs> in the Old Testament, the presence of God was, was located in the tabernacle. And in the New Testament, the presence of God is in the person of Jesus Christ. The presence of God. Because Jesus was sent from God the Father. He is the only one who is the bridge back to the Father. See, that's what it says in Acts chapter 4. Verse 12. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven which has been given among men by which we must be saved. If you want to be saved, if you want to be saved from hell, if you want to be saved 
from the things that are happening in your life, if you want to be saved and free from the bondage of the enemy, if you want to be saved from all of those things that bind us and control us, then it must be through Jesus Christ. Because there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. I think that's huge. He also gives us security. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. Because he's right here with us. Emmanuel means God with us. No matter how desperate things are, no matter what happens, God will never leave us. We never have to go through anything alone. That's what it says in Romans 8, 38. Paul writes this. He says, For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm never alone. You're never alone. Because of Emmanuel, God with us. That's not all. Because of Emmanuel, we receive and have sympathy. Some of you say, well, I don't need sympathy. You know, when I've spoken at funeral services, one of the things that I prefer to focus on is God with us. God is not some distant deity that is casually observing our lives from a distance. No, he has come to us in his son. And he's still with us today. He is God with us. He is near to us. He is close to us and he desires to walk with us through our worries, through our trials, through our tribulations, through our grief. Through all of the things that we experience, he's here with us. He's not disconnected. He's here with us. See, the birth of Jesus reminds us that we're not alone. No matter how cold we might feel or this world might treat us or how much pain we might endure. I love it when the writer of Hebrews writes in Hebrews 4, 15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. But one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. Therefore let us draw near with the confidence to the throne of grace. So that we may receive mercy and find grace in this time of need. Oh, how we need his grace, his mercy. Folks, that's what Emmanuel means. Is God with us? Emmanuel means that God will meet you at your greatest point of need. Whatever that need might be. This title means God with us. And there's two ideas that are kind of inherent. That are contained within that. God with us. The first one is that Jesus was divine. He is God. He is God with us, not just symbolically, but literally. And secondly, that Jesus is fully human. He's fully God and he's fully human together. He's God with us. 
See, John said it this way. He said that we felt him, we touched him, we listened to him, and we saw the word of life in, in 1 John chapter 1. He writes this, he says, What was from the beginning... What we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested and we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. Which we have seen and heard and proclaimed to you also so that you too may have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write so that our joy may be made complete. Oh, is your joy complete? Because if you don't know Christ, your joy is not complete. See, Jesus did not merely appear to be human. He was 100% human, and he was 100% God. What a Savior. The best of both. He was sinless. He gave his life for us so that we could be with God for all eternity. So that we could be reconciled to him. Wretched sinners that we are. Every one of us. So that we could be reconciled to him. See, there was a new believer. I'm wrapping this up. Sent out an email to a website that answers questions about faith. And she said, I struggle with the claim of other Christians that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven and to God. What will happen to those who believe otherwise? Folks, this kind of question challenges us to examine our view of who Jesus is. You remember the the title of this sermon was The Christ of Christmas. See, a scriptural review of Jesus and his uniqueness can help us to stand strong in our belief that he is the only way. Let me try to describe who Jesus is. Jesus is unmatched in history. His very being cries out, For us to entrust our lives to him. There is no one that matches up with Jesus in all of history. He is the turning point in our calendars. He's the only one who ever gave his life for me. See, Jesus is unmatched. He's unique. Jesus Christ is unique. He's unique in substance. He alone is both God and man. Think about that. Jesus Christ is unique in substance. In John chapter 10 verse 30, Jesus said, I and the Father are one. Jesus, the God-man. He's unique in substance. Jesus Christ is also unique in prophecy. No other leader's life was foretold so clearly and so accurately By people who lived hundreds, even thousands of years before Jesus Christ. He is unique in mission. Jesus alone came to save us from our sins. I haven't heard anyone else say that. That they came to save me from my sin. He's unique in his mission. 
to save us. He's unique in his birth. I'm trying to describe him to you. Only Jesus was born of a virgin. He's unique in his ability. No one on earth but Jesus has the power to forgive sins. Jesus said, I did this miracle so that you would know the Son of Man has the ability, has the authority, has the power to forgive sins. I can't forgive your sins. Only God can do that. And Jesus can do it because he is God. Only God can walk on the water. He's unique in his ability. Jesus Christ is unique in his existence. Jesus alone existed before the beginning of time. I'm trying to describe him to you. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. He came and tabernacled. He dwelt among us. And we didn't know him. And we didn't know who he was. But his light was the light of men. He came to forgive us and to, to save us from our sins. Jesus Christ is unique in position because no one else is equal with God. Philippians 2 tells us although he existed in the form of God. Although he existed in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God something to be grasped. Jesus Christ is unique in his reign. <laughs> Only Jesus reigns forever. I'm trying to describe him to you. Because there is no one else in all of history that is like Jesus. He alone deserves our trust. He alone is the path to God. See, just because unbelievers abuse Christmas time doesn't mean that we can't enjoy this holy season. Keep Christ. Keep Jesus Christ at the center of this holy season. Celebrate His birth. Sing carols. You know, the theology in the carols is phenomenal. Gather for family fun. Even make shopping an occasion for remembering God's goodness. Because when we love Jesus and we put him first, he blesses our celebrations. But the truth is, is we can enjoy Christmas because we know the joy of who Jesus Christ is. Without him, we haven't a clue. But the first step is acknowledging our own sinfulness and recognizing that he came to save sinners like me and like you. Folks, if you've never acknowledged Jesus Christ in your life, you need to do that. 
Because if you've never acknowledged Him, if you've never come before Him and confessed your sin to Him, then you're not saved. You've never received Him in your heart. Folks, that's why He came. To save us from our sins. Would you pray with me? Loving Father, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You for giving Your Son Jesus so that we might be forgiven. Lord, I thank You that He paid the price Father, that He took what I deserve on that cross as He bled out and died as the sacrifice for my sin. That His blood washes my sins clean. Father, I pray that for those who may not know Jesus, Father, that today would be their day of salvation. Father, that You would draw the souls of men and women to yourself. Father, I've done what you've asked me to do. And that is to be truthful and to preach your word. To proclaim who Jesus is. And Father, I pray that you would help each of us. Father, to get rid of our pride. Father, to come before you on bended knee. To say, Lord Jesus, I need you. Oh, how I need you. You are so far beyond me. I need a great Savior to save me from my sin. God, your word says, the promises in your word are that if we will confess you with our mouth and believe in our heart that you raised him from the dead, that we would be saved. So, Father, I pray that would be our confession today. Father, that if we don't know you, that today we would confess you as our Savior and our Lord. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would quicken our hearts, that you would show us the inconsistencies. Father, that your Holy Spirit would shine your light upon the sin in our heart. Father, we would come clean with you today. And Father, this would be a day of transformation, a day when we are transformed for all eternity by your power, by your might, and for your glory. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.